like you to open your Bibles and turn to what I like as my favorite Christmas passage, and it's found in Galatians chapter 4, and we're going to be looking at verses 4 and 5. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. Um, you know, it's that time of year. I know yesterday was Christmas Day, but it's that time of year, right, when, uh, when the world celebrates everything except Jesus Christ. Uh, although we play the game that we celebrate the birth of our Lord and, and Savior. And it's so sad because a small percentage of people will make their semi-annual trek to church and they'll pat themselves on the back and talk about how good they feel that they went to church on Christmas. But even a very smaller percentage, those of us that are believers in Jesus Christ, um, who worship three, Jesus Christ 365 days a year, um, will amid the chaos and the culture struggle to find time to really render glory to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I've always enjoyed this passage of scripture found in Galatians um, because I think it sums up everything that it is that we celebrate and just to give you a little bit of background to the text, Paul is writing to the church of Galatia who had departed from the faith um, that Paul had instructed them in and had given him. And uh, at the core of the issue, the core of the issue to the church of Galatia was this, is Christ's finished work on the cross sufficient to make a person right before God? That was the core issue. And Paul responds with what would be the great historic doctrine of justification by faith um, that he responds to the Galatians, that a sinner is justified by faith alone in Christ alone, and that salvation is by grace through faith. And as we like to say, as you know, we like to say in the five solas, it is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And so he's going to respond with that. And I think that is the, you know, people talk about all the time, what is the meaning of Christmas? What's the spirit of Christmas? They use these bizarre words. But as believers in Jesus Christ, the meaning of Christmas is the gospel. It cannot be taken away from that. So Paul writes in Galatians chapter 4, beginning with verse 4, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And there's several really just glorious truths in this portion of scripture. Note the significance of Paul's words, but when the fullness of time had come. And Paul states that Christ coming to earth in the form of man was no accident. As a matter of fact, it's the complete opposite. It was rather very precise. It was very specific. It was in the design and in the plan of God. All of history that preceded this event culminated in the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. And there's something in that for us, by the way. Christ's coming occurred 
at a very dark time, a dark spiritual time in Israel's history. Christ's coming at that precise time was at the right geopolitical time. Christ's coming at that time was at the right time of all religious circumstances, and Christ's coming was at the perfect point of redemptive history. It's important as Christians that we don't lose that perspective, that God in his sovereignty, God in his providence, chose specifically that time for the Lord to come. And like I said, there was a time of just great spiritual darkness within Israel. By the way, that should give us hope when it comes to revival, does it not? I talk to a lot of people who say, I don't believe revival is going to occur because look at all the things that are wrong in society. Look at all the things that are wrong in the church. But if you study the history of revival, what you will see is revival occurs in dark times, not in times when everything is pristine and perfect. So in eternity past, God He ordained that he would send his only son to enter his creation as a man, that Jesus would take on human flesh, live a perfect and sinless life, subjected to all things as we were, yet without sin. Jesus would offer his life as a ransom and a sacrifice for sin for all who put their faith and trust in him. He would become the penalty for sin, and he would bear the wrath of God's justice against sin. I don't think there's a more glorious truth than that. As the prophet Isaiah said so clearly in Isaiah 53, 5, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. I love the Apostle Paul in 1 Timothy 1.15. I, I love this verse as well. When Paul says, this is a faithful saying and, and worthy of all exception, uh, uh, acceptance, that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, to save sinners of whom I am the chief. I always say there's going to be a day in heaven when one day me and Paul might get in an argument and see who was the worst one, who was the chief of sinners. Paul states further in our text that Christ was made, that Christ was born of a woman. This Jesus whom the prophet Isaiah declared his name or his title as being Emmanuel, which means God with us, is born of a woman, the Virgin Mary. Herein lies a critical point for us that Jesus had to be fully God to atone for our sins, but at the same time, fully man, sinless, to take upon himself our sins. We sing this in that great Christmas carol by Charles Wesley, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, right? We sing that stanza that says, Veiled in flesh the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity, please with us, in flesh to dwell, Jesus, our Emmanuel. The writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 2.17 puts it this way, Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. 
He made reconciliation. And not only was Christ born of a woman, but Christ was made or born under the law. And like all men, Christ was born under the law. He had to obey God's law. But unlike all men, Christ fulfilled the law in every aspect. And it is that sinless nature that qualifies Jesus Christ to be that perfect sacrifice for sin and the only one who can atone for sin. I had mentioned to my church yesterday, isn't it amazing that two holy days that are in Christianity, the birth of Christ and the death and the resurrection of Christ, that Satan has flooded with myth right? We have Santa Claus, we have the Easter Bunny, we have chocolate eggs, we have, you know, a, a, a season. We don't celebrate a season. We are believers in Christ. We celebrate Christ. Look at verse 5. Not only did he do this, but his purpose is very explicit, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. I love the term redeem. The term redeem simply means to buy out, to ransom, to buy away from. The guilty human race sat under the condemnation and weight of its own sin and desperately needed a Savior. Christ not only redeemed us, he not only bought us and rescued us from the immediate peril by becoming a sacrifice for sin, but he delivered us from the penalty of sin. Always remember that our Lord delivers us from the penalty of sin, from the power of sin, and one day, all glory to God, from the presence of all sin. 2 Corinthians 5.21 states this, for he hath made him, Christ, to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. The writer of Hebrews puts it even better. He says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I love that endured. It means to bear under the weight and he despised this shame. He thought little of it. Christ became the penalty for our sins, for all who place their faith and trust in Christ. Now, to me, to me personally, this is the essence of Christmas. This is the greatest gift that guilty man, guilty woman can now be set free from the penalty of sin. Christ pays it all. We get his righteousness, and he bore our sins. Now, that is the Christmas that I want to be a part of. That's, that's the Christmas that I personally celebrate. And please note one other thing in verse 5. Please note that what follows redemption is our adoption as sons. In short, not only was Christ sinless, not only did Christ pay our debt, but now we become the sons and daughters of God.
boy, it doesn't get better than that. And that's why I say herein lies the the true meaning and the true message. So how should we as believers respond to this truth? Here are five actions. There are five actions that we can do. And not only just at Christmas time, I mean, we have New Year's coming up, and I hope you don't make resolutions. But here are five actions that you can engage in the Lord to honor the Lord. Number one is to repent. And to repent, if, if in any way we've done anything to obscure the message of Christ, not only at Christmas, but throughout the year. And we really need to come to, to the, the point where we say, well, where, what would we be like if, if we had, if Christ had not come to save us? So we draw near to Christ through repentance, repentance being a lifestyle. The second one is we refuse. And this is, this is refuse to be cultural. Do not conform to the world's definition and the world's terminology. Refuse. The third one is to renew and to renew your vision of the necessity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I like to say that Christ is to the gospel as air is to breathing. Make the gospel of Jesus Christ known throughout the year. The fourth one is to respond. Respond in faith. Respond in faith to the call of Christ on your life. Respond in faith to the promptings of the Holy Spirit to glorify Christ throughout the year. And the last one is to rejoice. Rejoice in Christ. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. There is no better time for us as believers in Jesus Christ to rejoice in what God has done for us. Have you considered this at this time of year, at Christmas time, the world who is so antagonistic toward our faith and antagonistic to everything Christ gives us a pass. You go through the you go through the stores, you may go through uh, places and you hear the praises of God being sung in there. Well, you know what? We as believers should rejoice in Christ. And one final note. And let that rejoicing be exuberant, overflowing, glorious, full of praise, and full of honor for the worth of our God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So I pray that the Lord blesses you. I pray that God just does an amazing work in your heart and life, especially as we enter this 2023. May God bless you. Amen.